Okay, so today, um, in addition, like we always do, the Parsha of the Week, Vaira, just so happened that today is the 24th day of Tapis. Really, it's the 25th, but it still continues from the daytime. The 24th day of Tapis is the Yortzite, the day of passing of the Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe Schneir Zalman. He was the founder of the Chabad movement, and um, he was... Um, you know, fairly in good health, but that was during the war of uh, Napoleon against the Tsar, and um, the Rebbe um, took the side of the Tsar against Napoleon, and when the armies of Napoleon started marching, uh, coming into uh, the city of Liadi, where was the place where the Alter Rebbe lived, he got to quickly evacuate, uh, ahead of the forces, and and then eventually, all of a sudden, it was in the Parsha Shemois, it was Matzah Shabbos, and he passed away. And of course, the Alter Rebbe was a very special leader, not only a leader, but he was the founder of the movement, and we know uh, a lot about the history, we're not going to go through now the history of the Alter Rebbe's of his leadership, but we'll talk a little bit about the parallels between the Alter Rebbe and Maimonides, the Rambam, whose Yorzeit is the 20th of Tevis, a few days before, and the portion of Eero today. And we'll see, to learn out a lesson from all this. And uh, first let's talk about, for a minute, about the Parsha and see how does the Parsha begin. The Parsha begins with the words, Vo'eiro, I have appeared. So that's the first part of the Parsha, Vo'eiro, you know, the parsha goes like this. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu comes and um, comes and um, to Pharaoh in the uh, mission. Hashem gives him a mission that he should go to tell that to let the Bnei Yisrael, let them leave, let them go out of Egypt, let them go bring uh, offerings. And Pharaoh, not only did he not listen to Moshe, but actually he made it even more difficult for them. Like before, they would provide some of the raw material for the bricks they were building to straw. Now he says, you have too much time on your head, you have time to think about freedom, you should work harder. And what happened was that he didn't give them any more, no straws, they had to go collect it themselves. And yet they needed to... Uh, provide this the quotas, had to keep up the quotas. So, and it says that the Jewish policemen were beaten because they couldn't produce the quotas. There wasn't enough, and they came to Pharaoh. And then, and their way out of Pharaoh, they meet Moshe and Aaron, and uh, they said, "Look, what did you do to us? And uh, uh, you had made it worse. You came to Pharaoh like this. At least we were able to manage, and now it's even worse than before." <coughs> And then finally, Moshe Rabbeinu complains to Hashem. He says, last words of the last week's parsha. he says, Why did you do bad for these people? Uh, Why did you send me? From the moment I've come to speak to Pharaoh in your name, uh, he made it worse for these people. But you didn't save your people. You just made it worse for them. He's come. That was the last words of last week's parsha. The last story. So this week's parsha, it there's two in the simple meaning. There's two uh, commentaries. But the bottom line is, 
Hashem said, uh, I appear to Avram and Yitzchok and Yaakov. Hashem made them promises. But Hashem, they never saw Hashem fulfill His promises. Hashem used the name of Hashem. He says, Kel Shaddai, Kel Shakai, using Hashem's name. But He says, I have not shown them my name Hashem. Shmi Havaya. I have not been known to them by name Havaya. Havaya means that I am going to fulfill my promises. They have not seen that. From Hovea? From, 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 from the... Yeah, no, yeah, Yidiyah. From Lashon Yidiyah. No, I have not been known to them. Yidiyah, okay. Yoda, Yoda. Okay. Yodea. Echad mi Yodea. Who knows, okay. Uh, so, um, so the Jewish exile. So I want to review a little bit. This is from a uh, talk for Chof Chof Tevis in the volume twenty six. The, the Rebbe uh, discusses this um, these ideas that I'm going to uh, explain. So, what what was the uh, exile of Egypt? There was two thing, There was two parts. There was a physical exile which means the Jews worked as slaves and uh, their freedoms were taken away and they were um, uh, abused. Um, But not only that, that was at the physical level, but because of all their hardships and their work, also on a spiritual level, they didn't have, as explained in, 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 in the various forum, they didn't have the level of das. They didn't have the level of knowledge of Hashem. Uh, they were all confused. They were sort of moving in darkness. They didn't have it. And um, the Rambam writes that as the Jewish people lingered in Egypt, okay, uh, they learned from the ways of the Egyptians. And it came to the point where that main plant that Avram Avinu established that uh, Hashem Echad, one God, monotheism, uh, the whole uh, uh, passage away of doing tzedakah, uh, all these things was almost uprooted um, because uh, they almost uh, became lost and confused to the world around them. They became like the Egyptian. That was their spiritual descent. Um, so what did Hashem do? So Hashem says, as we've learned the Pesach, I appear to Abraham, and Hashem says to the Bnei Yisrael, Ani Hashem v'yidaitem ki ani Hashem. You should start, Hashem gave them that knowledge. Hashem sort of gave them a lightning, uh, an insight, gave them a, uh, an understanding. So that Moshe Rabbeinu is coming to redeem them, so he's not only redeeming them from their physical exile, but he's actually elevating them. He's bringing them back to a spiritual level. Uh, in the beginning, it says they didn't pay attention to Moshe. They were so... They were so worked, they were hard, they were short of breath, and uh, they didn't, they didn't, they couldn't pay attention. They were just so overwhelmed with the physical labor that they had to do 
that their spiritual standing and their emotional standing was also uh, overwhelmed by by their physical day to day survival, and they didn't have any time to or understanding. So Moshe Rabbeinu uh, comes about, and it, Hashem says, "You know what? Vaera, Vaera. This is the parish of Eira." I will appear, or he says, I appeared, but Hashem says that he would bring such a strong revelation so that all of a sudden, notwithstanding that they were on a very low level, but it was such a powerful, it was such a profound light that even at their levels, they were able to start to see Hashem's true measures. You know, a lot of times we find ourselves, we're confused because, you know, within our own exile today, we find a very similar situation. Because we are so overwhelmed with everything that's going around, we don't always appreciate and recognize that there is the name of Hashem, Hashem's hand is in everything, that He's in control. And we uh, sort of question, like Moshe Rabbeinu, or we don't listen because we are overworked, short of breath, uh, hard labor, and we don't pay attention. And then you have Vaira. You have sort of a lightning. You got a vision all of a sudden. It's like an awakening. An awakening. Yeah. And so instead of lonodaiti, not been known, all of a sudden they start to know. So what really what the point over here is you see sometimes people who may find themselves in a situation where they're not able to uh, respond or to understand or to interest themselves in any kind of spirituality you know you find a lot of people that are so involved so indulged in the day-to-day things that they don't they don't care about anything else. But all of a sudden there is a lightning, there is sort of an awakening. There is something that comes their way. So even while they are in a very low level, or in a level which they don't really, they don't know what to make of it, but yet they get, their soul gets on fire, somehow they become aroused, and they turn to Hashem, and they sort of start understanding and seeing things a little differently than they saw till then. All of a sudden, they see now things make sense. The Rebbe wants to bring out over here in this talk that in a similar way, the Alter Rebbe, uh, the Rambam, you know, the, uh, the Rambam, he passed away on the 20th of Tavis in the year... 1204, so that means about 816 years ago. (laughs) The Alter Rebbe, uh, his Yorzeit is on the 24th day of Tevis. He passed away in 1813, so that's 207 years ago. So there was quite some time between the Rambam and the Alter Rebbe, but yet uh, there is a lesson Mm -hmm. that we can learn. and today we'll talk first about the Alter Rebbe's main teaching. The Rebbe is basically going to say the Alter Rebbe put into his teaching 
that lightning, that awakening, that when you read some of his writings, especially, we're going to concentrate. We'll see various different writings which the Alter Rebbe parallels the Rambam, but we'll start off first with the end, uh, which the Rebbe discussed in the end of the Sikha. It's with the book of the Tanya. Uh, the Rebbe basically said the Tanya sort of speaks some things that it almost seems like you have to be at a certain level to understand, to relate, to be, uh, you know, worthy of, of that, as we'll see the Al-Rebbe writes in the introduction. And the same thing is some of the books of the Kabbalah. We know that Kabbalah cannot just be studied by other, everyone. The Rav Chaim Vital, who is a student of the Rizal, he made actually an oath, people shouldn't study the Kabbalah over there. We'll, we'll discuss it a little bit later. Uh, the Rambam, who wrote the guides for the perplexed, the Mora Nevuchim, he also has very strong stipulations before you are going to study these books. And the Rebbe in this talk sort of brings out that, on the contrary, the Rebbe shows, it is that Yes, while you have to have those restrictions uh, and the orderly fashion, like we say, normally we say that when one learns Torah, you have to learn Torah for the sake of Torah. You have to do it for the right reasons. You can't study Torah because you want to become a big shot. You can't study Torah for... uh, honor or for whatever it is you can't you have to study torah just for the sake of that's the torah of hashem but yet we say that one should never stop from learning torah even if you don't have so let's say if i i have a choice not to study torah or to study torah for the wrong reasons you know of course if you can study torah for the right reasons should a person who is not studying Torah for the right reason? Should we not allow him to study Torah? The answer is just the opposite. You start off for ulterior motives, and then eventually you'll come to the right motives. You know, when you try to educate children or people who are in the beginning of their uh, journey, you try to entice them with idea, with things that is dear to them, and then hopefully as they get more mature and they get more understanding. There's a story in the Zohar about a, a a certain rabbi said, anybody wants to come rich, come to my yeshiva and I'll teach you, you'll become wealthy. And then after a while, uh, you know, he didn't get wealthy, he didn't become wealthy, so he went back to his rabbi. He says, uh, what is it uh, What is it that you want to become uh, uh, wealthy for? He says, well, the rabbi promised. He says, if you learn Torah, you become Wealthy. So there was a fellow that came into the yeshiva. He could, he wasn't learned. So the rebbe made a deal with him. He says the guy is going to give him, gave him a golden cup, and he uh, supported him. And in return, he says the Torah that he learned was to credit it to this other to the wealthy man who gave it to him. But eventually, um, he came to the realization that it wasn't such a good deal. He doesn't get any credit for his Torah. It goes to somebody else. And so he said. So there's a whole explanation there, but the bottom line is, yes, you know, sometimes you need an enticement for 
the uh, getting there, people who are not yet at the highest level. But once you come to the um, uh, proper level, you'll, you'll learn better. But Torah has, you know, what we should do. And of course, we should all do the right things all the time. Well, you know, that would be the normal thing. But we're, we're not like that. The reality is that we don't do everything what's the right thing is. So that doesn't mean we should stop doing all that means is we do it a little bit the way we can. So while there are restrictions to learn the Kabbalah, there's restrictions to learn the Moran Nebuchim, there's restrictions, almost seems like, not quite restrictions to learning the Tanya, it seems like they're in. But the truth of the matter is, to beginning, if you can be at a level to do what's right, and then start learning Kabbalah, and then start learning the more Nebuchim, then okay, maybe that's good. But if you're not at that level, actually the reverse is true. Just like in the Parsha, Va'era, that lightning, learning of those subject matters would actually enlighten you, will actually raise you. It'll give you that, that you know, give you that lightning. You'll be able to start to see you don't need that coming a, you know, beforehand if you don't have it. So, let me just say to you that the Alter Rebbe, we'll talk a little bit about the Alter Rebbe, this is your site, Chavdalah Tevis. The Alter Rebbe writes, why did he write this book of Tanya? So basically we're saying he wrote the book of Tanya. Why did he write the book of Tanya? So he makes a whole big introduction over there, and he says, people would come all the time, they were looking for a meeting to meet with the Alter Rebbe to discuss their spiritual standing. They were looking for some support, some solutions, things that were nagging on their, you know, on their heart, on their minds. And most of them, they weren't really worried about, you know, their physical standing, but mostly it was people that were trying to become closer to Hashem. They wanted to improve their character traits. They wanted to improve their Torah study, the close to Hashem, their davening, whatever it is. So they would come and they'd meet with the Alter Rebbe and they would pour their heart out to the Alter Rebbe, tell them, you know, their struggles and tell them their challenges. And the Alter Rebbe would find ways and advice, would advise them how to uh, go ahead and improve themselves. So what happened was that there were... uh, people coming all the time, and the crowd grew bigger, and it wasn't possible to meet each one individual. So the Alter Rebbe decided that instead of meeting with each one individually, he would write down all the answers in a booklet, which is booklets, which is the Tanya, and if people have a question, they don't have to come to the Rebbe to ask him anymore, they'll just look into the book. But the Alter Rebbe goes on explaining the argument of the Hasidim. No, that a book cannot suffice, cannot substitute for a personal meeting with the Rebbe. No way. Because, number one, and the Alter Rebbe goes through all the books are very limited in scope. People don't always understand from the books. You know, they don't find what they're looking for in the books. They don't know every... It's not tailored exactly to each individual, and it's not uh, really uh, 
going to be enough to take the place. Notwithstanding that it's a holy book, it's a very strong, has good advice and everything else, yes, no, no question, but still their argument is that it cannot really substitute for a personal meeting with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe is addressing that. And here finally, so, first of all, the Rebbe says it's no different what he's writing than any other book you read into any Musser Sefer, you learn any Hasidic Sefer, any, any commentary, you're just going to look at it. So this is of equal value. But then the Alter Rebbe goes and answers this specific argument that the people say that still it's not the same as discussing and opening up their heart in front of the Rebbe directly and listening to the Rebbe and hearing the Rebbe's guidance. So the Rebbe says, to address this concern, the Rebbe says, this that I'm writing is for the people that I know. People that I know that are my acquaintances. People who have visited me already. People who have poured out their heart before me. They've told me everything that's nagging them. And because these are people that I know, so what I'm writing is actually tailored basically to the people that I know. And therefore, uh, the Rebbe says, even if I uh, give you an answer when you come to visit, but you can forget the answer. Maybe you don't, you know, I tell you something and then you forget. I put it all in the book. Don't push anymore, the Rebbe says, to come in. Don't force yourself in. If you don't understand, let the other people who are more learned than you take the time. Let them show you, let them teach you, and let them help you find the solutions to your issues in the book of the Tanya. That's what the Alter Rebbe writes there. But one of the issues almost seems, so yes, it's true that uh, it's a regular, it's a good book, it's no worse than any other book. But that specific line that the Alter Rebbe writes, that it's those people that I know and that are acquainted with and the people who opened up to me, so how does this going to apply to people who are going to study the Tanya who were uh, ten generations or seven generations later? I mean, he did, how, how, how does it answer to us? It doesn't seem like that introduction would apply to us. And the Rebbe argues just the opposite. The Rebbe says, actually, since he put this into the introduction, so what the Rebbe has actually given us the opportunity, if we choose to, so in other words, he, lo- he, he allowed that part of it up to us, that if we want to become those who are known to him, we have the choice and we have the Rebbe has put into this Tanya the ability to raise us up, that if we, of course, with the help of other people understanding and teaching and making sure that we are able to find what we're looking for, but together with that, it has the power and we have the ability to be able to um, um, to find. And even if we're not at the level, but the studying itself, 
will raise us to the level, will make us on a higher level, will encourage us, and then we will become sort of acquaintances of the Rebbe. The Rebbe brings down over here um, that part of what the Rambam and what the Alter Rebbe, what they did with their service, they, they were trying to lift people up, bring them closer to Hashem. We know from the, uh, uh, some of the letters the Rambam writes, especially there are two letters, one is called the Geres Hashmad, and one is called the Geres Teman. What are these letters? Uh, one of these letters deals with people who converted to other religions by force, against their will. And they want to return. Mm-hmm. Are we to accept them or not? You know, I mean, uh, the, the Rambam is very, very strong, comes across very... The Rambam was trying to encourage them. The other letters had to do... It was a false messiah. There was, and there was... The Jewish people uh, were on a, a very... Uh, very difficult situation. The Rambam made it his activities. He wanted to try to raise them. The Rambam writes when he came to Egypt, when he moved to Egypt, he said most of the people there just have forgotten over the years all the laws of our Torah. They didn't know how to do, how to perform mitzvahs. They just lost it over the time. And the Rambam tried to uh, bring them in in a similar way uh, the Alter Rebbe, we know that you know Alter Rebbe was a uh, got a very good dowry. When he got married, his uh, father-in-law gave him a large sum of money, and he uh, basically took care of him. He wasn't didn't have to do anything, but immediately the Alter Rebbe invested it in trying to help people with free loans and things like that, as well as. Alter Rebbe reached out to Balachuva to bring people in closer. So, generally speaking, the Alter Rebbe and the Rambam, they both, they parallel that they were leaders that were trying to help their brethren in their, in their days. Um, also, the interesting is the teachings of the Alter Rebbe. And uh, it's interesting that they both wrote two major, uh, the Rambam wrote mainly his uh, Mishneh Torah. Those are laws that are meant just so, rulings, those are halachas, you know, sometimes there is the debate, the, 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 the ideas behind, but the Shulchan Aruch, or in this case it's the Yad HaChazok, the Rambam, that's halachas. Uh, and then he also wrote, as we say, the Moron uh, he wrote the first four chapters in the Yad HaZokar also. Uh, and one of the things is, um, even the name, the name says the both, they, they, they encompass both aspects, the revealed hidden, because the Alter Rebbe, as we know, his name was Shnei Or. Shnei Or means two lights, the light of the revealed, the light of the hidden Torah. And the Ramah's name was, of course, Moshe, and Moshe is... Torah Tzivalonu Moshe. Moshe gave us the whole Torah, all of Torah. Uh, so it encompasses everything. Um, so the Rebbe says that um, also when they, just like in their lives, uh, 
they're trying to help the people. Also, their books mainly were not just discussions, but they were mainly meant to help the books. You know, the Rambam writes that he, there was a lot of disagreements before him. He wants to make things clear. And instead of being confusion, he wants to be a very clear uh, law. The Shulchan Aruch is also, the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch is also uh, meant to bring out clarity, uh, to be the law with the reasoning in one place. It's all, uh, it's all uh, there. They were there to lift up the people, to teach the people, to bring in light, clarity to the people. And we find also they brought in the name of Hashem right in the beginning, like uh, the Rambam's first words are Yud Kei Vav Kei, uh, the Alter Rebbe's. But basically from all this, what do we see? Uh, that what they were trying to, to do is they were trying to bring light to the Jewish people. They were trying, whether it is through their helping them, whether it's through their sephorim, they were trying to uplift them. And therefore, uh, this is also why they, uh, um, why it connects to, why it connects to, um, your son's calling you. What? Your son's calling yeah, you. Yeah, he'll wait. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so is, that, is that like the same thing as trying to bring Da'at out of exile? Yeah. Is that what they're trying yeah. to do? To bring down, to raise them. Um, the Alter Rebbe brought down, the Alter Rebbe brought down like deep things, hidden things. He brought it down openly. It's all to raise and bring down to the uh, to the simple, you know, to people that weren't at that time. Till that time, they weren't capable of learning that. They brought them down. Yeah, go ahead. There um, is one more point here I want to make here. The point that we can further discuss. Um, the, the issue that we have is that um, we have certain restrictions that the authors of these books, like the Rambam, made restrictions. Actually, he used the language of a shavua, that it's a shavua, an oath. Uh, he says, before you're going to study my book, uh, he gives, you know, you have to be wholesome in your belief in Hashem. He gives you, like, a whole list criteria. of things. Criteria. And he makes it as a shavua. Rav Chaim Vital does a very similar thing. He says, uh, in a similar way, that uh, it's, it's not that you're just going to study the Kabbalah and everything else. He says, you must meet a very, very strong and high, profound, pure person that can study the Kabbalah. So, uh, one of the rabbis asked the question, he says, a Shavua, they make a Shavua, uh, Make a shavua. Uh, you can't make a shavua for somebody else unless they say amen. They agree to the shavua. So what does it help me that uh, uh, the Rambam wrote a shavua, Reb Chaim Vital wrote a shavua? Uh, shavua doesn't help anything. You know, uh, if the people don't say amen, doesn't help. So they explain that it doesn't really mean a shavua. 
it means sort of like a nether, like a vow, like a, an excommunication uh, that for the following generations. So uh, that's one explanation. So that's what that's what it is. But the bottom line is we see that people are studying who are not at that level, many people, many commentaries. We also see why did... <laughs> <laughs> the Rebbe gives every twists everything around. He says, "Why do we? So why did they actually write a shavua when they really meant a when they really meant a vow? So they should have said a vow. If they, if they meant a nether, they meant a nidui, they meant excommunication. They should have said it. Why did they say shavua? You're saying he said shavua, but it doesn't mean shavua because shavua doesn't work. <laughs> the Rebbe says actually." This question, one answers the other question. They actually didn't want it to really work. That's why they made it into a Shavuah. Because they knew that a Shavuah doesn't really work. And basically, uh, they wanted people to learn it in the right way, the way you should. So they put down a Shavuah uh, and to say that this is the right way. But once it is available and the person isn't yet up to the level that he can reach it. So you know what? On the contrary, he, he didn't make it into a vow, and it's not a shavua. And when you're going to, uh, to actually study, you're actually going to be raised to the higher level. And, uh, and therefore, is what happens is, the ultimate goal is the study should impact you, should make you onto a higher level, that you should become holy, you should become more pure. We're not looking for you to stay at your lower level, but what all we're saying is if you're not going to be reaching the lower level, even though that's not the preferred way, the preferred way is reach the level and then study, but if you're not, that doesn't mean. That's why the Arizal says that it's a mitzvah, to reveal uh, this Chokhmah, the teaching of the uh, of, 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 of the Kabbalah, even though there has all the, the restrictions. And basically what it's saying over here is, what the Rebbe's point is, yes, those restrictions are meant, you know, you have to know that when you're learning certain uh, holy uh, Torah words, especially of the Kabbalah, and if you're learning uh, the Mora Nebuchim, you should know that you should be on a, on a more spiritual higher level. You should be. That that's the right way to be. But also the same token that if a person uh, is not at that level, doesn't mean that he's not going to study, because it's actually only a Shavua that has not been accepted, and therefore, uh, and the people don't accept the Shavua, and therefore, it sort of gives you the impetus to grow up and to become as to the level of that expectation. Um, just to finish off, that the there was a time uh, that people said, and maybe this ties in with what you were saying before, there was a time that people said, you know, that everything has to be in order. In other words, first you learn your Chumash, and then you learn your Mishnah, and then you learn the Gemara, then you learn your Hasidus. It's not like, you know, you don't start with Daf Yomi before you can do 
uh, Mishnah, before you know Aleph and Tav, you don't know it. It's just, so he said he gave an example. He said the example is, you know, that there's a time when there's a inviting you for a wedding, and you know, so there's the dishes are all set up, and first comes the uh, the appetizer, and after the appetizer comes the smorgensburg, and after the smorgensburg comes the fish, and then you get the salad, and then you get the different soups, and then you get the entrees, and then you get whatever it goes, everything you know, you know and you that's the when you come to the meal. And you come on time, and you know you got all the time in the world. You come early, and you can sit and eat. What happens if you're uh, delayed and you walk in, and you know the chas and kal are about to leave already? <laughs> you missed out. So, and there's leftovers over here, over there. You know you're gonna, you're not gonna look. It's dessert. It's a little soup. It's a little fish. You take your chap. Whatever you can, <laughs> you want to eat something. So you're not going to start, it's not, it's called chatoif v'achoyl. Chatoif is grab and eat and grab and drink something. We are standing now before the time of Mashiach's coming. We don't, can't go now and start figuring out an orderly way. We're going to do this first. A comes before B, B comes before C. We've got a chat. Whatever Torah, whatever we have can inspire us, whatever can get get us uplifted, whatever get us get us closer to Hashem, that's what we have to do today. So we can't look so much on the restrictions, on the procedure. We can't go into the procedure now because there's no time now. Right now is the time we got to chop Yiddishkeit, Torah, mitzvahs, whatever we can do. That's what we got to do, and if we uh, you know, uh, violate one of these things. I tell, I tell the story. I heard this from the Rebbe himself. Uh, the Rebbe said that uh, one time on Tisha B'Av, you know, on Tisha B'Av you're not supposed to study Torah, only specific uh, matters, because Torah is considered to make you happy, and Tisha B'Av you're supposed to mourn. For the Temple, you're not supposed to learn just Gomorrah, just regular things, because it's called Misam Chilev, it makes you happy, and you're not supposed to do it on Tisha B'Av. So one time the Rebbe he uh, Tishabo, he entered his teacher's who was his teacher. He enters his room and he sees he's sitting there by a big volume of Talmud studying. So you say, What do you do studying Talmud on a day you're not supposed to study Talmud today? So his teacher told him, Look, you know, after I pass from this world, after 20 years, they're gonna bring me to the heavenly court. He says, I know that I've made some mistakes in my lifetime, and I know as I get beaten, so he says, at least if I get beaten, let me get beaten for studying Talmud <laughs> on Tisha B'Av. He says, okay. So I said, you know, if we're learning Torah, we have certain limitations that we're supposed to do this way, that way, but listen, if we make a mistake and we learn Torah that we has limitations and we study, alright, so we can take that, so that should be so, so bad. But the bottom line is, it's Chavdal Tevis, the Zuchus uh, and the Merit his merit shall protect us. In order for him to protect us, we have to uh, get his merit. And studying about the Alter Rebbe, studying about the Tanya, studying about his life, his contribution, that brings about the merit. The Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, writes that if a person has a problem, and this goes on every, uh, if a person has a problem, 
he should take a tanya and open up a tanya. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the opportunity to go to the kever to the gravesite of Hadich where the uh, altar rebbe is interred. You open up a book of Tanya, and you study. You study a few lines, and you have the ability to ask Hashem for all blessings that you need. Especially when we're talking about Chavdalat Tevis, we're talking about making a fabrengian, making a time. This is the Zechus of the Alter Rebbe. Certainly, we have the opportunity to ask for everything that we need, for Sayyidah Dishmaya, for support of heaven, for health, for happiness, for Nachas, for only uh, good fortune for us and for our families. Amen. So that's a special thing.